This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Ooh, my jingle bell sweater is kind of noisy. <laughs> Good morning, Liz. Well, and, and Merry Christmas to you uh, uh, with your jingle bell sweater. And hope your weekend was a good one. Um, today, I'm excited about this, this show because we're going to be looking at the law from the point of view of law enforcement and discussing how law enforcement officers are trained. Um, so in that regard, we're excited to welcome Dean Bearden, Director of Training for the uh, North Mississippi uh, Law Enforcement Training Center to the show. And uh, Mr. Bearden, it's, it's great to have you. Would you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in training law enforcement officers? Uh, good morning, thanks for having me on here. A great sweater, by the way, Liz. Uh, I have about 31 years, a little over 31 years of law enforcement experience. I started out as a dispatcher for the Boomer Police Department in 1990. Uh, later on, I got moved to uh, patrol and uh, did patrol for a number of years. In 2006, I became chief of police at Northeast Mississippi Community College and was there until uh, 2013, where I had uh, the opportunity to uh, go over to the training academy at Mississippi Delta Community College and become a trainer. And uh, training coordinator was the official title and I trained there for four years. And then in 2017, uh, Chief Bartigari hired me here at, at uh, the Tupelo Academy at North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center and been here ever since. Well, so what, what type of law enforcement officers go through training at your facility? Well, we have cadets from uh, uh, police departments and sheriff's departments around the state. We have um, cadets from uh, state agencies, such as the Mississippi Department of Transportation, uh, Mississippi Department of Corrections, uh, those type of agencies. We also have uh, people who put themselves to the academy, pay their own fees and provide their own equipment, those uh, type of things that, and we call those people self-sponsored cadets. Uh, those self-sponsored cadets come through and they complete the training just like a regular sponsored cadet would. Uh, and at the end, we always try to find, you know, help them to find a job if uh, they become a good cadet. Well, that's, you know, it, it's amazing that they're self-sponsored cadets. I mean, that's uh, that uh, people that want to be police or, or law enforcement officers. So, um, so uh, you know, what kind of physical requirements would they have to have or anyone have to have if they wanted to be certified as a, as a police officer or a peace officer? Well, you have to be uh, 21 years of age uh, by the time the graduation rolls around. Uh, as far as physical shape, you, you must be able to, to do the, the physical rigors of the job. And if you just think about uh, what, what happens with a police officer, it's more than just riding around the car, even though that's, that's what we do a lot of times, what people see. But you have to be able to run, you have to be able to fight, uh, you have to be able to drive, drive well, and heaven forbid if it ever happened, you, you have to be able to 
be able to to fire your weapon accurately things that happens with a uh, cadet that comes into basic class and what we see sometimes uh, is are people who come into the academy and they are in really good shape you can tell that they've been they've been working out you can tell that they've been here uh, doing their push-ups they're doing their running they're doing the calisthenics they're doing a lot of things to make themselves better and prepare themselves when they come into the academy other people uh, are on the other end of the spectrum they come in to the academy and um, they I guess their mindset is that they're expecting us to get them in shape and many times those people do not they're not successful candidates uh, once they arrive that would be me. I'm. I wouldn't. I, the, the running. I'm. I'm in the. Uh, I'm only running if there's a bear chasing me kind of person. So um, make sure you get your calisthenics in before you decide to uh, go to one of the training centers. And that's what we're talking about today. This morning we're talking about training law enforcement personnel in Mississippi. We're very glad to have Dean Burden, director of training at the North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center. You can send us your email questions to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. See, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm old school. I think of the opening credits of Charlie's Angels when they show them training to be law enforcement people. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one uh, uh, misconception uh, that, that people have, even though there are a lot of, of that, what you see on TV. But uh, law enforcement is is far from the uh, from the the movies and TV series that you that you see. Uh, there's a they have a lot of people over the years that you go to a scene to to work a uh, house that's been burglarized. Well, a lot of folks will expect to have a large van with 12 people dressed in white suits and masks to come in and comb the area and comb the ceilings, the floors, and get every hair fiber or fingerprint from the uh, from the scene, but that's just not reality because most departments around the country do not have that type of resource. And uh, you know the difference between uh, law enforcement today and and uh, what you see on TV. Uh, I've, I've saw I've seen shows where uh, the uh, the detectives will uh, take their cell phone and and, and uh, take a picture of a fingerprint, and moments later you have a uh, face to go with it. Uh, that's just not reality. So uh, it'd be nice that. Uh, that technology did exist, uh, that, that we would have it, but um, uh, most departments would not have something like that. So interesting. Now, you met, by the way, you mentioned that the, the minimum age is 21. Is there, is, by the way, is there a maximum age for being a police officer? Because I, I do run, and I was thinking, okay, I'm staying in shape. And There's not. Uh, There's uh, not. Uh, we've had uh, people who have a law enforcement emancipation who were, were uh, younger than 21. And they have, these folks have to go through a uh, chancery court to to get their law enforcement emancipation, so they can train and become law enforcement officers. The problem with that is that a lot of agencies will not hire you anyway until you're 21, just because of liability. Uh, as far as as the other end of, of the age spectrum, uh, I've had I had a gentleman come through my academy and pass at 62. So it can be done. Whenever I was a police a police cadet. Back in the dark ages, uh, we had someone in my class who was 51 come through. So it, it can be done. It just It's all about your mindset. It's all about did you prepare yourself? Do you have the willpower to push through when the times get tough? And can you, uh, can you uh, push yourself to continue the program even whenever your mind's telling you not to? And that's one of the things, one of the ways we train people here. 
you know, it's interesting. We had a, I had a law student one time who was in her seventies when she graduated and uh, she'd been a nurse in Vietnam, really impressive person. And uh, so I had to go back to law school. So somebody asked her right after graduation. So what are you going to do now? And she said, I'm going to practice law, you idiot. You know, I was like, of course, I mean, what, what would I be doing? And same thing with people who are older who go into law enforcement. That's what they're going to do. Um, so now if somebody wants to be a law, uh, uh, you know, wants to be an officer, you know, where do they start? I mean, do they apply to your training program? Do they apply somewhere else? How does that work? Cadets who come to the academy who are sponsored by a department, uh, they, their department will send their applications in and, and make sure that they have all of the gear that they need for uh, preparing for the uh, academy and, and all that. Uh, Self-sponsored cadets, we work more one-on-one -on -one with them to help them to get everything they need for the academy. And it starts out with an application process. And those people who, who want to self-sponsor through the academy can contact us and be glad to send them out a self-sponsor packet is what we call it and that includes a an application from uh standards of training uh, which is our our post as peace officer standards of training that's the governing body of all academies throughout the state and training for law enforcement officers and we could just call it post uh, there's a post application and then there's a self-sponsor application for our academy here and the post application is mainly uh mostly a, a medical background that has to be filled out by a doctor to ensure that these folks are, are physically able to complete the task necessary to be a, a law enforcement officer. The self-sponsor application is what we use for the background check to ensure that these folks are, are, are decent citizens who have the potential to be good officers and that they don't have any, um, any um, felonies or, or serious misdemeanors or uh, crimes of moral turpitude, those kind of things on their background. You can send us an email with your questions to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing training of law enforcement individuals in Mississippi. Where does this happen? I'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.
This is in legal terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. This morning, we're talking about law enforcement training with Dean Bearden, Director of Training at North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center located in Tupelo. But where else are there training facilities? Well, there's the Mississippi Law Enforcement Officers Training Academy in Pearl. That's with the Department of Public Service. Mississippi Delta Community College has an academy in Moorhead. The University of Southern Miss has a law enforcement training academy at Camp Shelby. Meridian Public Safety Academy is through Meridian Community College, and that is just some of the educational opportunities in our state. We have lots of phone calls we're going to get to this morning. First, we're going to go to Hernando and talk with Mike. Mike, thanks so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question about law enforcement training? Uh, just some additional information. I'm a writer in DeSoto County. I write for two national police magazines, Canine Cop and Police Canine. And I document uh, our local Hernando Police Department's Canine Training Unit under outgoing Sergeant Lynn Brown and his team and some of the finest officers you've ever met under our police chief, Scott Worsham. But uh, for anybody that gets into the police uh, line of work, law enforcement, that's a wonderful line of work to get into. The dogs are very rewarding. They're mostly all of them Belgian Malois. Um, I've gotten close to them and enjoy documenting how they <clears throat> perform and the training processes okay. that they go through. I've been with them into the woods and uh, in buildings doing drug detection, that kind of thing. But that's a wonderful aspect of getting into law enforcement. It's very specialized, but if anybody's interested in law enforcement, that's a wonderful career field to pursue. It's extremely rewarding. Your partner ends up being the dog. But, boy, there couldn't be hardly be much better partner. Well, Mike, we are always excited when you call in. You have some great information to add to our show. Thank you for calling in. Um, uh, Dean, yeah, Richard? I mean, everything you said is, is 100% accurate. Uh, we are a subsidiary of Tupelo Police Department here at the North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center, and we have a, a, a great uh, canine team here, and they do some training up there around uh, that part of the state with those guys. And we have our own canine training facility back here uh, behind the academy. But uh, everything you said was spot on. Fantastic. We're talking this morning with the director of training for the North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center, Dean Bearden, and he's letting us know all about training our law enforcement officers. Dean, we were talking before about uh, if uh, someone's interested in becoming an officer, where do they start? And I think you had some additional comments you wanted to talk about that or? right once the application process is is uh, is completed and that self-sponsored uh, potential cadet uh, come once come to the academy then they will be required to come to the academy and do a pre-entrance PT test and that includes push-ups and agility run and a mile and a half run um, and I can give you the numbers for example a the post requires us uh, to for the pre-interest PT test in order to get into the academy, then you must score at least a 
uh, of what it would take to graduate. Now, Post did that years ago because there was a lot of people coming to the academy who did not train and they would spend the entire nine or 10 weeks at the time uh, just working and, and still would not be able to graduate at the end of it. So now they require at least 50% to get into the academy. And for example, a 21 year old to get into the academy, <clears throat> a 21 year old male would require 32 push-ups to get into the academy and 52 push-ups to graduate. <coughs> Excuse me. On the agility run, it would take uh, 20.4 seconds to get into the academy and 18.6 seconds to uh, graduate. On the mile and a half run, uh, to get into the academy, it, it would take 18 minutes and 10 seconds to get into the academy and 14 minutes and 30 seconds on the mile and a half run to graduate. And that's minimum. Um, once they are accepted into the academy, uh, then of course they would have a gear list and uh, they would look like everybody else. So we're not, we don't uh, put self sponsors over here to look one way and the other cadets look another way. Everybody's uniform and everybody looks the same and does the same work. And there's also a background check for self sponsors. I mentioned that earlier. And when uh, we do the background check, a lot of people worry about speeding tickets and those kind of things. But uh, speeding tickets is not going to keep you out of the academy as long as driver license is valid. Um, but uh, certain things, uh, uh, thefts, uh, drug uses uh, that are recent, uh, any felonies will keep you out. So um, those are some things that I wanted to, to, to touch on. Uh, here we focus on, uh, on building a good, well-rounded cadet a good well-rounded officer and to do that what i tell the cadets we have to start with a good foundation and that's uh the fundamentals of being a good law enforcement officer that's the fundamentals of uh, learning to to serve and protect we're learning today about law enforcement training with our guest dean bearden director of training at the north mississippi law enforcement training center in tupelo we do have a call. It's Jim from Madison. Jim, we're glad you've called in. What's your comment or question? Good morning. Um, I was watching uh, some of that Chauvin trial from Minneapolis, uh, the officer who was convicted of, of murdering George Floyd, and I got the layman's impression that that officer might be a sociopath, and I was just wondering if there's any psychological testing that goes into qualifying someone to become a, a police officer. Yeah, and a lot of departments uh, that's done on the department level. Uh, that's not done on a on the academy level as far as psychological testing, uh, whether it should or not. That's going to be a. Uh, I, I don't think it would be a bad thing if that were to happen. But that's going to be a decision for our peace officer standards and training board uh, to decide if they want to do that uh, at some point in 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 the future. The uh, the background check uh, that we do is pretty extensive. We look into their their background. Have you ever uh, had issues uh, when when we can get the information, then we will call people who grew up with them. We'll call people who are neighbors and find out what kind of person they are. Um, and if they, you know, have erratic behavior on a regular basis, then it, it's not a deal breaker, but it's, it's certainly a, a flag that makes us want to uh, look into it a little bit more. Great. Thank you okay. for the information. Y'all, y'all. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Y'all keep up the good work you do. We appreciate it. Appreciate you, Jim. Well, you know, that's uh, 
I mean, that, that, that's a great question. I do think, um, but it's hard. I mean, you can only, and the question, I guess, would be what kind of psychological test would you even give? I mean, the, you know, that that's going to catch everything. That's a really, it's a difficult circumstance. So let's, let's talk about the training that goes on after somebody's a police officer, because then maybe that's the, the better point to assess some of that. Do they, are there requirements for continued education uh, for uh, officers? Yes, uh, municipal officers around the state are required to uh, complete 24 hours of in-service training per year. Now that could be pretty much anything that uh, the department needs. Uh, when I when I speak with Post about this, then they have told me that you know it doesn't really matter what the training is as long as the department feels as if it's relevant. They don't want to start setting standards for you got to have this every year, this every year, this every year, because what might be relevant on the coast may not be as relevant up here in the hill country uh, but they just want to make sure that if your department needs it then you get it as long as it's 24 hours of training each year so what are some of the what you know that advanced training what kind of training would that be then well we host uh, a lot of advanced training course throughout the course of the year here at the academy uh, for example in february we're going to uh, host a course designed to assist departments in conducting background checks uh, investigations on potential employees which will help with the question that jim just just called in about and but it also helps with uh doing background checks on witnesses uh potential witnesses um in april we're going to host advanced internal affairs uh, course that'll help departments conduct more thorough investigations into uh, alleged uh, allegations of uh, police misconduct those type of things give the officers a, little, a few more tools to use uh, when they're policing the police uh, in July, we're going to host an advanced uh, sexual assault investigations course, which will help patrol officers and investigators to uh, be able to go through more in depth with uh, an apparent sexual assault and help those officers to, uh, to understand the different types of sexual assaults that do occur. Um, in January, we're going to start our, uh, our certified investigators course. Um, in, it includes courses like uh, interview interrogation, uh, doing crime scene investigations, um, homicide investigations, uh, photography, uh, an advanced courtroom uh, testimony class. We have Courtney Harrison from Florida Department of Law Enforcement coming up to do a uh, really good class, and we're excited about that. Uh, we've got uh, a statement analysis class. We've got uh, constitutional law. We've got cyber crimes. We've got uh, modern terrorism. Uh, all kinds of advanced training for uh, these investigators. And this, this class is for the investigators uh, or people who will be doing basic investigations uh, in their departments. And it, it does help them and it helps not only to teach them new methods of doing what they're doing, it also helps them to uh, develop contacts, resources to, uh, to help them do their jobs. Yeah, I was interested. I saw one of the, uh, the advanced programs you have was on counterfeit, uh, spotting counterfeit uh, money, because apparently that's, yeah. I, I was in a store the other day and they said they don't take hundreds anymore because there've been too many counterfeits. So, right. um, so, so it's financial fraud, it's uh, uh, counterfeit money, some white collar crime type stuff, yeah. So, so who, I mean, do the, do the officers choose which of those seminars they want to go to? Do their departments send them? As, how does that work? Now, to be a, a to complete our certified investigators course, you have to complete all all 280 hours of it, all seven weeks of it. 
And uh, when, that, when somebody becomes a certified investigator, how does that translate back to their part, department then? Is that something that... Well, it, it gives them a, a certification through the state to show that, hey, I have been through this course and I have had the training necessary to to, to show that I have had this advanced, uh, well, I just want to go back to training, advanced training. But yeah, so that's, yeah, so that, and, and, and you know, it's, it's um, so you're kind of busy. I mean, you're constantly doing training for new uh, recruits cadets and also for uh, for more seasoned officers though. right right we are uh, we do three basic cadet classes per year and those are 12 weeks each so it's 36 weeks of, of basic classes and then we have our, our certified investigators course then we have our other uh, advanced courses that we're hosting and we try to uh, those are just a few we've got lined up for next year so there's gonna be more coming uh, we, we use uh, NCBRT out of LSU uh, to come up and do training for us. Uh, we host classes with them. Um, those people who want to become instructors at an academy, for example, those officers can uh, come up and, and take care of their, uh, their instructor development course, and that'll help them to get their foot in the door to start teaching. So we have a lot of things coming up, a lot of things uh, that are going on, and we're looking forward to it. I love that you've called them uh, peace officers. Sometimes you forget that that's a, a, another name. I went to college with a friend who grew up in Chicago, and they had a program when he was young, Officer Friendly. So uh, at our house, we always—oh, look, there's Officer Friendly. You can email us your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with the director of training at North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center about law enforcement training. We've heard about some types of training they receive, and I've got a few more to add. I'll tell you those next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We sure hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast. You can also find our MPB Think Radio recordings on the website mpbonline.org slash radio. Some of the classes offered in Mississippi deal with uh, detention officer training, defensive tactics training, advanced criminal investigations, canine seminars, negotiation, taser, and less-than-lethal instructor classes. 
This morning, we're talking about law enforcement training with our guest, Dean Burden, Director of Training at North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center, located in Tupelo. We've got a couple of calls. Let's first go to Pass Christiane and speak with Cindy. Cindy, we're glad you've called in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Well, I have a comment and a question, I guess. Um, in my experience, well, I guess my question first would be when uh, during the hiring process, um, I know you can't straight out ask this question, but um, how do political views of the um, hiree come into play? And um, my experience with this is I worked for 12 years as a civil deputy out of state. And uh, for 12 years, I was the only liberal in that whole department. And I personally was chastised to the point where after 12 years, I ended up quitting because of it. Um, it was like completely unacceptable that I was a Democrat. <laughs> and I'm just wondering how that comes into play now here. Well, thank you, Cindy, for that. It's a, it should not play any part in, in the hiring process. It should not play any part in, the, uh, in your day-to-day -day duties. And I don't really care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care if you're black or you're white. I don't care if you're conservative or liberal. As long as you get out there and, and treat people the right way and do your job the right way, then that should be all that matters to, to administrators. Yeah, um, it should be, but I find that it sure wasn't for me. Um, it, but this was, like I say, out of state. It was it was in Oregon, but um, I was just wondering how you felt about that. So thank you for your answer. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Cindy. We appreciate you calling in. Let's now stay on the coast and go to Gaucher and talk with Kevin. Kevin, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? Um, my question would be to the uh, to the man: uh, How can he expect to hire any deputies or have any cadets with medical marijuana being on the horizon? I I can only imagine that uh, when legalization happens and with the rise of CBD and Delta Eight, that medical marijuana uh, will be uh, very popular. Uh, to anybody who's a youth, a youth in their in their 20s or a young adult, and my question is: Is uh, the FBI recently uh, discontinued testing people, recruits uh, with metal, uh, on their history of metal, marijuana? And I'm wondering how how does he expect to get any cadets with the popularity of marijuana in the state of Mississippi? Yeah, that's a great question. I wish I had an answer to that. Uh, what I what I do know is that, you know, if, if I make sure that and let the cadets know here that they're not allowed to have you know marijuana in their system, they're not allowed to do that kind of thing. Even if it becomes legal, I I can I think this is you know, should be a big duh right behind this, but if you know we can't have cadets out here with batons doing defensive tactics training, I'm not going to allow uh, cadets. To hold firearms during firearms training or drive vehicles during driver's training if the same person you know would be considered under the influence out there on the street somewhere 
So that's a decision that the cadet is going to have to make about whether or not they actually want to continue using that type of drug or if they want to be a police officer because you really, you really can't have both. That's my opinion. Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate you calling in. I, I think we hope that uh, police officers follow the law and those who are training to become police officers, and that will be just things they'll have to uh, take into consideration or be held responsible for the consequences. And a quick question about that. So, you know, if someone, for example, takes a prescription drug that is legal, um, that may impact somewhat, you know, some, some may cause drowsiness or whatever. Are they also uh, right now prohibited from, from uh, having that drug uh, while they're in, in, in the force or uh, in training? Yes, yeah, correct. What we do at the beginning of the academy is that the cadets are required to turn in all their medication that they take. We don't mind cadets taking medication and departments don't mind people taking medication, you know, uh, antibiotic or uh, um, something for high blood pressure or uh, those type of, uh, of drugs. But those drugs that cause drowsiness, those drugs that are designed for pain are not allowed here. Now we make sure to screen all those drugs so that those cadets don't uh, bring them in. And because the last thing we want to do during driving week is to have somebody who is not at 100% alertness. We don't want somebody on a firing range who does not have all their senses about them because the last thing I want is somebody to get hurt. And and we don't want them to conduct themselves out down the street. We want them to to become more accountable to themselves and understand the the dangerous. Uh, situation they're putting themselves in by doing that. Um, so, you don't go to you don't go to work after you've taken a uh, a cup of Nyquil for a cold. So it just I mean that's just common sense. But it it's unfortunate that uh, sometimes it may happen. And when that happens, then other officers have to become more accountable as well. So I, yeah, I guess to, to the caller's uh, question, I think probably I mean wouldn't marijuana be just treated the same way as when it's legalized? Uh, the, the drugs that um, that people take that cause cause drowsiness or uh, affect possible performance. Right, just because it becomes legal uh, doesn't change how it affects the body, and that's that's what the, the danger is with law enforcement. I mean, do and I, I'm not I don't I don't know Kevin you know from Adam's house cat, uh, but he had a great question and does would Kevin want. Um, you know, an officer responding to a call at 100 miles an hour, going from one end of the county to the to the other one, you know, trying to get there to save somebody. If they have, you know, a percentage of, of marijuana in their system, of THC in their system, that's going to affect them. Do we really want that? And the answer is going to be no every single time. No. Um, so this is a, this is a challenging time to be a law in law enforcement. Uh, um, and so, how do you train? Uh, officers to deal with those challenges. Um, you know, they don't. They they hear the news, and we all hear the news, and uh, we know they're out there. Uh, you know, 99.9% .9 are doing their job and, and protecting people. And how do you train law officers to deal with these these challenges? It's 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 tough. You know, some of the biggest uh, concerns that I have of police cadets when I come in and ask them what are the biggest challenges facing law enforcement today, the first thing that they'll say usually is media because they, they're looking to, to blame the media for things going on. And, you know, the sad thing is that 
some of that's true. It's just that that law enforcement sometimes is his own worst enemy. You look at the Darren Chauvins of the world. You look at the uh, Michael Slagers of the world. Michael Slager, of course, the uh, South Carolina officer who shot uh, Walter Scott in the back seven times, uh, and unjustifiably, I might add. Uh, police discretion, use of deadly force, um, officer conduct, uh, corruption, those kind of things. It's all it's all some of the biggest challenges for for administrators today. And you know, until we get a hold of it, and then once you like you said, I think 99.9% of all, all cops are good people who want to do the right thing. Men and women out there just doing a really tough job. But you've got that that one tenth of one percent of, of police officers, and it's much like any other profession, whether it's lawyers or whether it's doctors or truck drivers, or whatever it is, that ruins it for everybody else. It's just that, um, you know, you look at communities like Minneapolis, you know, and other large cities around the country looking to defund the police. You know, I, I, I'm just, I'm very happy that we have a, a, a town here in Tupelo that, that uh, does not believe in that. You know, they, they're looking at, at uh, training as a very important part and that's what most departments, most administrators want is good training for their officers to get out there and be able to do the job that, that they need to do. Um, community rapport is, is terrible right now in, in a lot of cities, especially those cities where you have to defund the police movement. Um, rapport is, rapport building is, is very important. And we start with that with the basic cadets on day one is teaching them uh, how important that is is that is that we are not as police officers we are not way up at uh, above everybody else you know we are simply members of society that uh get paid to do this job we're you know the the Pelian principles is one of my favorites where it says you know the police are the public and the public are the police you know we are the simply the, the people who live in the communities we we police and it's our job to make sure and maintain that rapport. Here in Tupelo, we have the, you know, the PAL program. We have, uh, recently we had a shop with the cop and, you know, SROs in the schools, DARE programs and all that. And that's, that's wonderful. It's wonderful programs, you know, to do. And it's it takes a, a constant effort because when you, you do everything that you can do as, as a department, you do everything that you can think of to try to build rapport with the community. That's what we should be doing. And then we take uh, two steps forward and then you got somebody like the uh, Darren Chauvin's of the world, the, the uh, Michael Slager's of the world that causes us to take five steps back. And then you have to come back in and rebuild from there. Well, that's, uh, you know, it's it's hard, I know. And by the way, do, do uh, does your training, uh, you mentioned you have constitutional law courses and, and negotiation courses. Do you ever involve uh, lawyers uh, in those in those trainings? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we here at our academy, we have uh, our district attorney for this area, John Whittle, comes in and does Mississippi criminal law because we just think, you know, what's the best person to teach Mississippi criminal law than the the guy who's going to be the district attorney who's going actually going to be prosecuting those cases later on. And uh, even though there's a lot of people, a lot of cadets come in not from this district, then they still get a great uh, summary of and, and, and foundation built about what a district attorney would expect. Um, in the CIC program I mentioned earlier, the attorney general's office comes up and teaches some of those courses too. And it's important to hear from the perspective of not only a defense attorney, which some of the courses are taught by that, but important from the perspective of the, the, the office is going to be prosecuting these cases later on. 
We're talking about training our law enforcement personnel in Mississippi. We're going to take your questions on our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Where can you find out more about the North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center? I'll give you that information next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our really good program today, you can listen to the whole show on our MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. At 10 a.m. Central, no, at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. The address nmletc.com is the website for the North Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Center in Tupelo. Their Twitter is at NMLTC, and their Facebook page is NMLETC Tupelo. We're talking with the center's director, Dean Burden. We do have a call, but first, uh, Mr. Burden, do you all have a little acronym that you call it? Nilmic? Milnek? No, it would it would sound uh, foreign <laughs> if we tried something like that without any any vowels in it. So All right. say the Academy of Tupelo. The Academy of Tupelo, great. Let's go to Biloxi and speak with Chuck. Chuck, thanks so much for calling into in legal terms today. What's your comment or question? Yeah, good morning. My question is: Is it mandatory? Is it state law that police officers are required to have some training? Um, and um, is it a code and or do they do some departments train within or do you have to be a police cadet as a prerequisite to become a police officer thank you 
Yeah, there is a mandatory 24 hours of in-service training every year required by our standards and training board. And that's for municipal officers only. That does not apply to deputy sheriffs or constables. Um, and as far as a uh, the officer going to the academy first, and they are required to go to the academy within one year of being hired. Between the time they're hired and the time they go to the academy, then they are required to be in the direct supervision of a certified officer during that time. All right, thank you, Chuck, for that question. Well, Mr. Bearden, I, I, you know, how, um, how are officers in this day and age trained in regarding arresting and detaining someone? Um, and is there any is there any bias training that goes along with that as as well? Yes, there's a, a bias based. Uh, part of the curriculum in, in our post uh, curriculum. Uh, we have 480 hours that each academy is supposed to, to uh, go over and complete before a cadet can become a graduate and become certified. And bias-based profiling is one of those. It's four hours long. Now, we can take any course here in the 480-hour curriculum. Um, uh, the criminal justice system, police ethics, we could take uh, traffic crash investigations. Traffic crash investigations are 16 hours. And you could very easily make that into a 40 hour course. Constitutional law, we're allowed 12 hours for constitutional law. Every single thing that we do in, in law enforcement is based upon a fourth amendment, based upon search and seizures or search and or seizures. And uh, I'm not I'm not disputing the wisdom of our, of our uh, a peace officer standards and training board is just, and they would love to give us more hours but you could easily take constitutional law and make that a three-week course a 120-hour course and you still wouldn't scratch the, the the surface very well and we have 12 hours to pile as much in as we can with the with the basic cadets uh, i'm not complaining about about our our curriculum but it, you know it is what it is we have a certain amount of time to do a, a certain amount of things and uh, we, what we got is what we got, in other words. Um, that answer your question? It does, it does, a great answer. And uh, and what about, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned firearms training, and that, that's obvious, but what about, what are the callers called and ask about you know, psychological testing? Is there any uh, training in human behavior or psychology that, that the officers get? Yeah, there is uh, training uh, with conflict management, with stress management, um, and there's, those are two courses that are four hours each. Uh, human behavior and interpersonal communication, that course is four hours, and law enforcement and citizens with special needs. That focuses on the people, all four of those, focuses on uh, not just the officer, but the, the individuals that they're gonna be coming in contact with. And that we must understand that as a law enforcement profession, that we, we have a, a certain responsibility to those people who are dealing with disabilities, those people who have trouble communicating, uh, those people who have uh, certain issues going on with them in their, in their lives that may cause them to not be fully in compliance with the law. And for those people, I mean, we don't want to, to arrest them. We don't want to put them in jail. We don't want them to have to go to court, pay a fine. If we can find a solution to, uh, to, to help them with this particular issue going on with it right now. And that's what some of our, our programs are designed to do. And these four courses are designed to help with that. Well, thank you, this has been great. 
We're so glad that you've been able to be on the show. This will be a great podcast to folks to download, listen to. Maybe if they're flying anywhere for the holidays, they can uh, download it. Don't try to download it while you're driving because then that wouldn't be safe. But thank you so much. We appreciate you being on our show today, um, Dean Beard. Thanks for having me. Professor Gershon, I hope you have a great rest of the new year. Are you, any new year ringing in plans for you? We're going to have uh, all four of my kids will be with us, but we're, we're we're scaling back. We usually do a party where I cook some veggie chili and it's very popular. But uh, this year we're going to scale back and just have our family. And, um, so, you know, what about I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope, uh, Dean, I hope you have a Merry Christmas as well and Happy New Merry Year. Christmas. And, I'd love some of my chili if you ever make it. <laughs> I would love it. Hey, love to do it for you. Uh, be careful out there, folks. Slick weather. Don't drink and drive. Use your turn signals. Yada, yada. Yada, yada. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Thank you, Jay White, and thank you, Jabba Chapman. For Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.